Uh, I want to invite our guest speaker, the person of Dr. Ajibola Uloro. He's a business guru, and we believe that he's going to impact our lives so that we can see beyond our status quo. Dr. Ajibola Uloro, we welcome you, we appreciate you. God bless you. All right. Thank you very much to the entire body of the ARD in um, OETH. Thank you very much to everyone for coming to listen to this um, little talk. I first want to just recognize the presence of all the medical elders. Um, um, I, can't, I can't begin to mention the names of everyone's but Thank you very much for giving me the floor, for counting me worthy of someone to be listening to. And in particular, I also want to thank the ARD president. It's been very easy having a conversation with him. It's, it's just been smooth right from the very first time we started speaking up till now. Um, kudos, sir. Well done. I think the association is in good hands, in your hands, sir. Okay. Um, Majibola Awolo, it's just a coincidence that my last name is um, also synonymous with the name of this big and well-renowned institution. Um, I have a few memories of OAUTH, of, yes, OAUTH, uh, I've been there a couple of times, some fond memories and some not, but um, thank you very much. It's all been part of the formative process. Um, I count it a big privilege to be here. I don't see it as, um, uh, it's, not, it's not something I take for granted. Um, thank you very much for listening to this young gentleman. The theme before us today is um, beyond the status quo, investing in the future. Um, I see this theme in two lights. I see this topic in two lights. The first light is, or the first objective, or one of the first aim of having this talk is to make us see, have a look beyond our stethoscope. The stethoscope is a big ground, um, you know, tool that we use quite a lot in our practice. And many times it can be, you know, blinding. Most times we only see the stethoscope. But part of uh, my job here today is just to help us see beyond what uh, opportunities that are available, even beyond our stethoscopes. And the second part is just giving us pointers on investment opportunities or what we can do to harness investment opportunities that are bound to us. Now, um, okay. Now, as doctors, the, the role we play in society is not something that um, the society fully understands. I don't think they fully appreciate the role or what we play in society. However, when the society sees a doctor, when they see our white word coats, our immaculate white word coats that have been, you know, ironed to crisp perfection, what are the few things that come to their mind? The first is that they think that, okay, this person is a possibly a high-income earner. And that's just because doctors, due to the prestige and all, what, all the clout that comes with being a doctor, they tend to think that, you know, we earn so, so much. Those of us, we that are in the profession, however, we know that um, this may not always be the case. The community sees us as, you know, responsible people, responsible people people who you can trust with responsibility, who are held to a higher standard. Just because we have various bodies 
the Medical and Dental Council of Nigeria, the Niger Nigerian Medical Association. There are lots of bodies that hold us responsible for our actions and for our inactions. So they see us as you know, responsible members of the society. And also they see us as the um, proverbial source of urgent suki many times. You know, when, whenever they're in a fix, family members, friends, even people that we don't know, patients, they, they, they tend to place a lot of demand on our horses. And this is something that we need to be um, conscious about. Now, to us as physicians, as doctors, what does this white coat mean? Most times it's something that we are very passionate about, something we are very happy doing. And then it's most times the fulfillment of our childhood dreams. Many times right from our young age, age we had, you know, aspire to be doctors, aspire to be carers, aspire to people that give back to the community in one way or the other. And most importantly, practicing medicine for most of all of us is our sole source of income. It's where we, you know, generate income to care for our families. And it's a source of respect and it's a source of, you know, something that gives us joy to do. Now, there are a few limitations, however, to medicine. The first is that what we do in medicine is very physical. What we do as doctors is very physical. Most times you have to physically see the patient. You have to physically sit down with them, take a history. You have to examine them physically. So there's a lot of physical interaction in our duties as doctors. Our ability to earn, to earn an income as doctors is limited by a couple of things. The first is that the amount of skill we have, the skills we have as doctors determine how much we are paid. This is um, the reason why house officers generally tend to earn a lower income as compared to, you know, maybe junior registrars, as compared to senior registrars and eventually consultants and the CMDs and all that. It's because each at each cadre, you are each the doctor at each cadre is expected to have some certain amount of skills, okay? And based on the amount of skills you have, is based on it will be the basis on which your salary or how much you are being paid. Now, as doctors, it's impossible to have all the skills. I don't think I've ever seen a general surgeon who is the best general surgeon, is the best nephrologist, is the best dermatologist, is the best. Um, in every single field, I don't think that's possible. So because as doctors, we can only specialize or get skills in one or two or three general areas, uh, income is limited. Just imagine what a doctor who is the specialist, general surgeon, urologist, uh, nephrologist, neurosurgeon, every spinal surgeon, orthopedic surgeon, how much will such a, an individual command in the marketplace? I'm sure this person's salary will be quite um, exorbitant. So the skills we have places a limit on how much we tend to earn as doctors. The second thing is that I've elucidated that most of many of what we do as doctors is physical. Okay, so we are limited by time and space. You have to see the patient. You go to maybe A and E. You have to spend time with the patient. You have to spend time seeing that patient. You can't see three or four patients simultaneously. It's not physically possible, except if you are maybe a spiritual doctor, you have some special skills that all the others don't, okay? It's just like the, the best, the best. let's assume the best general surgeon who can do a thyroidectomy in 15 minutes. 
this person is still limited by a lot of physical constraints. Getting the patient into theater before the patient is put to sleep, before even if the doctor can do it in 15 minutes, there will still be a lot of constraints. Even if the doctor can do 100 thyroidectomies in a day, it's not possible to operate in more than one hospital or do these 100 thyroidectomies in 100 different hospitals simultaneously. So there's a lot of cap. There's a cap on the earnings of a doctor. Okay. Now, let's just have a look at this picture. Imagine that um, this number one thyroidectomy specialist, um, this general surgeon. Can we all see the picture, please? Can we all see the slides? We, we can, sir. We can. All right, perfect. So this, this picture depicts, you know, some a partial amputation of the thumb, an almost total amputation of the index and the middle finger, and then a, a partial amputation of the ring finger. Just imagine a gynecologist having a road traffic accident and ending up with these sort of injuries. Number one, his two fingers that he uses to assess the cervix they are gone. Imagine a surgeon, the best thyroidectomy specialist in the entire universe, suffering this kind of injuries. His, his or her career is almost over. Imagine a physician, somebody who needs to percuss the chest, percuss the abdomen, or palpate one thing or the other, suffering these injuries. Does that can spell the end of the person's career as a doctor? If we, if some, if a doctor we know suffers an injury like this, how do you think the doctor will cope? What happens to all the skills that this doctor has accrued over the years? What happens to all the regular income that this doctor earns? So, because what we do is very physical, what we do is connected to our well-being physically, and we all know that the next second is not guaranteed. Anything can happen within the twinkle of an eye. We can lose. Our ability to end this income. We can lose our ability to end this income from our stethoscope. So it's a challenge for every doctor to be able to look beyond the stethoscope, to look beyond what you can actively earn. Now, this brings us to the very first point. The very first point I would like to hammer home to us as doctors a regular income that is actively earned is never enough. Is never enough because at within a split of a, a second, within the, the blink of an eye, something can happen and your ability to end is gone forever. So as doctors, we need to understand our physical limitations and understand that no matter how much we earn actively, it's never going to be enough because something can happen and that income goes for good. So now the next question is, so what is the solution? If a regular active income is not going to be enough, what then should we do as doctors? Now, I just want this picture to sink in for a, first, a few seconds. Now, this is a gentleman that we can see hawking gala in the hot sun. He's in the traffic, maybe in Lagos or maybe in one of the big cities across Nigeria, running from one bus to the other, running from one vehicle to the other, trying to sell his gala was trying to sell his sausage rolls to whoever can buy. Now, how much income do you think this gentleman can earn? Okay. Now, the next picture I want us to consider is this gentleman. 
So this is a footballer. This is someone who is a, is a Nigerian footballer. I'm not going to mention his name or anything, but this is a footballer who has played for almost all the top clubs in, in England. He's played for a lot of football teams. At the peak, he was earning about £25,000 per week. And I don't mean per month, £25,000 per week. And this was many years ago. This was at a time when you know the dollar or the exchange rate was not what it is today. So by all standards, by all means and standards, if we compare and contrast these two gentlemen, one, a gala hawker who spends a lot of physical energy running and you know doing all sorts of work to just try to make ends meet, and this other gentleman, a footballer, earning quite a handsome money, even and his own earnings are on contract, whether he's injured or not, whether he plays or not, as long for as long as the duration of the contract exists, he gets paid that money every week. Now, if I asked all of us which of these two gentlemen we would rather be, I'm sure a lot of us would want to be the footballer. If I asked each of us too that, okay, which of these two people do you feel has a better financial future? I'm sure many people would think that, or many people would agree that the footballer who earns so much probably has a better financial future, is much more assured of a financial future. However, this is not always the case. Now, this gala seller, I know if you just Google in your phone, if you just Google um, gala hawker who earns one million naira per month, you will see lots of articles about this gentleman. Now, I'm not exactly sure if this is his picture, but I just picked up a picture from the internet from one of the articles, okay? But we have a gala seller who earns peanuts and we expect, you know, using all common sense, we expect that this man is going to struggle for the rest of his life. However, he's earning over a million naira per month from the sale of his gala, from the business that he has set up which sells this gala, okay? And this other gentleman that we've talked about who earns quite so much, if you fast forward many years after he has earned those money, you find out that this gentleman actually filed for bankruptcy. In fact, he was, he was so broke that he couldn't afford a lawnmower to cut the grass in front of his house. He was actually trying to borrow a lawnmower from, from people. So this brings us to the next point, which I want to you know, just bring to our notice. That yes, the amount you earn, how much you earn matters. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter. It does matter. Like doctors who on average probably earn much more than maybe a government primary school teacher does. Okay. I wouldn't say the salary, the amount you earn doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter. The more skilled you are, the more the income that you can command. Okay. So how much you earn matters. However, what matters the most is actually what you do with what you earn. We've seen the gala seller who earns peanuts, but at the end of the month, he's able to make one million naira per month. And we've seen the, the footballer who earns so, so, so much. However, at the end, he's filed for bankruptcy. So it's, it's not how much you earn that matters the most. It's actually what you do with what you earn that matters the most. Okay. Now, so what are we supposed to do as doctors with what we earn? 
what are the if if I was to give an advice or, or what are the principles that if we follow as doctors, irrespective of whatever you earn, the house officer that earns lower than the consultants that earns the maximum, each of them, depending on what they do with their income, can end up in the same place. Okay, can end up generating the same amount of wealth. So what are the principles that we can follow as doctors to ensure a bright financial future? The first thing I'm going to talk about is, number one, have an emergency fund. I can't stress this point enough. So what is an emergency fund? The emergency fund is just having some money saved up on the side. Now, this amount of money that you've saved up on the side is not for investments. This is just like a backbone on which every other thing you do will be built on. Now, the function of the emergency fund is you setting aside a sum that is able to cover all your expenses, the expenses of you, you as a person, the expenses of your household, at least for a period of three to six months. Now, imagine as a doctor, Something happens, an accident, the picture that we showed earlier, fingers are lost. You get the person gets skilled and can't, you know, perform his duties or discharge his responsibilities anymore. Income is gone. This emergency fund comes in as you know, just a stopgap to you know provide succor while you sort out other things. So as doctors, I encourage that you sit down, calculate how much you spend, how much does it cost to rent your house on a monthly basis? How much does it cost to fuel your cars on a monthly basis? How much does it cost to keep your children in school? Feeding costs, all your expenses calculated per month and then aim to have three to six months of these expenses saved away somewhere. Now, this step is very important. I'll come back to it later. And these funds, these emergency funds, if you're able to gather it and put it away, it just serves as a confidence, you know, just it gives you confidence knowing that any other thing you do, irrespective of whatever happens, there is already a backup in place that you can always fall back to. So this is the first unnegotiable step that I would encourage everybody to do. At least three to six months of your expenses should be saved up somewhere as a backup plan in case anything should happen. Okay. Now, the next step is this, having a savings. Now, this is also very crucial. Now, savings is just a way of you, you know, setting aside a sum from your earnings. It's best done regularly. It's best done strategically and planned, okay? Being able to put a sum of money aside on a monthly basis, the, the popular book, Richest Man in Babylon, if I were to summarize that book into one statement, I would say that it is that, you know, a, a portion of all you earn is yours to keep. So basically, that's the point of savings. And why are we saving money? We are saving money so that by when opportunities come, we would have something, we will have something palpable that we can use in harnessing those opportunities Without a savings, if someone walks up to you today and says, I have a three-bedroom mansion, or okay, let's say I have four flats that I want to sell, because it's you, doctor, I love you so much, doctor, I want to sell this flat to you. 
I want to sell it to you at 1 million naira, including the house, including the land. It's a very wonderful opportunity, but without having a savings, that person won't be able to take an advantage of such opportunities, okay? So the, the reason why we save, we are saving money so that we can take advantage of investment opportunities that may come up at any time, unannounced at any time. Now, this savings is very different from the emergency funds that we talked about. The emergency funds, as we have said, is not for investing. That is just for putting aside so that it serves as a backup should things go wrong, should your investments go wrong, should things go south, there's always something for you to fall back onto. So this is the second principle that I would advocate for. Emergency funds setting apart and then saving a specific sum of your money, of your income on a regular basis. The third thing I would advocate for now is that you invest your savings. Now, this is strategic. It doesn't, it's not invest your emergency funds, invest your savings. Now, what's an investment? An investment is any, any, you know, any avenue via which your savings can be deployed in a manner that it can generate an income. That's the first thing. So you are put, taking your savings, the money you've saved, and you are put, deploying it to get buying assets or to in ventures or in things that generate an income, number one. And number two, guarantees or can almost guarantee the safety of your capital. Those two things are very important. Number, the first thing, generating an income. So you should be investing in assets or in anything that is able to generate an income for you. Now, you will notice that this income that you are generating does not, or let me put it in a different light. Okay, what are the various investment um, avenues available? Now, I want to commend everyone for listening because I believe most, almost everybody listening is probably a resident doctor or is in the process of being maybe a house officer or a doctor or in, in, in the teaching hospital environment, sort of. So almost everybody is in training one way or the other. Now, the essence of training is that it's also an investment because you are investing in yourself. You are spending time with patients. You are sacrificing your time. When your colleagues are out there flangering or doing one thing or the other, you are in the hospital investing your time. And what's the reward or what's, what's the income that this investment will generate for you? The income is that you get, you keep advancing, you gather more skills and you move from house officers to junior registrars to senior registrars and eventually to consultants. And as you move, your income increases. So the time, I, I, I want to commend everybody because you are already doing, practicing what I'm talking about. You are already investing in yourself, in your education, in acquiring skills, in becoming a consultant eventually who is able to earn much more money. Okay? Other investment opportunities, the second part aside from earning an income is that there should be at least some some sort of guarantee or safety of your initial savings of your capital now i know there are a lot of things going about in town today a lot of forex you know mba forex this one that one 
invest, get 20% every month, get 30% every six weeks, get 40%. The, the income that those schemes advertise look quite enticing. However, how guaranteed is the safety of your capital that you are putting into it? If whatever investment that is being touted to you, if it does not guarantee an income and cannot guarantee the safety of your capital, then it is not an investment. That's not something you should be looking at. I've already talked about you investing in yourself. There are other forms of investments, numerous forms of investment that are available. The stock market is available for you to, to harness. You have the federal government that sells bonds, federal government bonds from time to time. There are treasury bills that you know, are available to be bought at all times. There is real estate. You can invest in buying a land or building a house or doing something. And all these things will yield an income. With stocks, you get dividends. You, you get dividends from time to time. With um, real estate, you can get rent from the buildings that you've built or you know, the money, the value of the land you've bought can go up. With federal government bonds, you can get coupons and every other, as long as there is an income to be generated and the safety of your capital, then it almost always qualifies as an investment vehicle. Okay. So we've talked about setting aside an emergency fund, having a savings, deploying your savings now in investment opportunities. So what's the next thing? Now, the next is to compound. Now, what does this compounding mean? It just simply means that the income that your savings have now generated, you have two choices. You can either decide to now spend that income, live the good life, buy a new car, you know, upgrade yourself. That's fine in itself. However, the better option will probably be that you can reinvest even the income that your savings have generated and you know just keep growing it that way now i'm just going to give an example just a brief example let's assume there are two gentlemen each mr a is able to save 100000 naira every year now if he saves this 100000 naira every year for 20 years so 100000 naira saved annually for 20 years at the end of 20 years, he probably would have 20 million naira as a total savings, okay? Now, that is just savings, savings without investing. I just wanted us to see that if you save 100,000 naira every year for 20 years, you would end up having 20 million naira, okay? Okay. Now, let's imagine Mr. B. Now, Mr. B is able to now invest Rather than just save a loan, he's able to invest his, what am I saying? Sorry, <laughs> 100,000 Naira saved for 20 years will give you 2 million Naira. Forgive me. The, my mathematics is a little bit, uh, it needs to go to school. Okay. So 100,000 Naira saved every yearly for 20 years will give you 2 million Naira. Now imagine Mr. B, he is able to save 100,000 Naira every year, but he now invests that money at and earns a 10% income every year. So he, he saves, he's, in the first year, he saves 100,000 Naira. 
he invests it and he gets a 10% return. So at the end of the first year, his, end, his capital is now 110,000 Naira. So the second year, he saves another 200,000 Naira. He adds it to the 110. It becomes 210,000. He invests it at 10% per year. And so it now becomes 231,000 Naira at the end of the third year. So you just get the picture. He's able to invest every year at 10% and it keeps growing. Now, if can I shock you that at the end of the same 20 years, this gentleman B, who is able to invest at 10% every year, and rather than taking out the income, he's able to reinvest it. At the end of 20 years, this gentleman now has six points, almost 6.5 million, 6.4 something million. That's a far cry from the person who only saves a loan, who saved 2 million, and for the other person who invested and compounded now has 6.4 million, okay? So the, that's the beauty of compound interest. With compound interest, the income of your income generates even further income, and then it just keeps going and keeps building. It's been described as a snowball. It starts small, but as it keeps rolling, as it keeps going, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger in geometric proportions, okay? Now, we've talked about the having a, an emergency fund, having a savings, investing your savings, and compounding your savings. Now, this picture just summarizes it all, okay? Wealth, basically, this is the way wealth is built. One is said to be wealthy when your passive income, remember we talked, one of the first points we shared was that Active income, that's income that you need to play an active role in to generate to earn that income is never enough. Now, passive income is where it's just your savings, it's your investment that is now generating the income. You don't necessarily have to lift a finger. The income comes in every year, either in the form of dividends, in the form of rent, in the form of coupons, in the form of profits. You know, the, the, the income comes in as at when due. Now, one is said to be wealthy. The definition of wealth is that when your passive income, when the money that you are earning without you lifting a finger is enough to settle all your expenses, you are wealthy. That person is wealthy, okay? Once your passive income is able to settle all your, all your expenses, in fact, you don't have to work. You can, re you can resign. You can retire. You can decide to travel the globe. You can decide to do anything. You have freedom of your time. You are not worrying about the next paycheck. You are not worrying about how the next bill is going to be paid. So basically, this is the state that every one of us, that everybody should be aspiring to attain, the state of wealth, having passive income that meets your, your expenses. Now, it sounds very simple. Yes, it is very simple. The steps are well-defined, okay? Recognize that your, your, your active income will never be enough. Recognize that anything can happen at any time. You could lose the ability to earn an income. So you need to look beyond your stethoscope. So what do you need to do? Have an emergency fund so that you can invest freely. If the investments go bad, you can always fall back on your 
emergency on your emergency funds. Okay. Next, save some money. It sounds very easy. Next, you invest the money. Next, you compound it. It's, it is very simple. It's very simple and straightforward. However, it is not easy. It is quite difficult to do all these things. And that's why there are only very few multi-billionaires or very few wealthy people all over the globe. My challenge for us as doctors is that we need to get to this point, okay? I was really hoping that the second speakers, that those were the, the banks. I, I learned that the, we had engaged the second speaker from the, one of the local banks in town. I was hoping that they would be able to share you know, opportunities that are available in the banking industry you know, to invest your money. I thought they were probably going to share more light on treasury bills, buying bonds, buying shares and all that. But as the president has said, the subsequent meeting will be scheduled for that. Okay. It sounds simple. Yes, it is simple, but it is not easy. And my challenge to us as doctors is that we should look beyond our stethoscope and start thinking of ways that we can de deploy our savings to earn a passive income for us. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I guess that's just the little I had scheduled for us. I'm more than happy for the president or the moderator to go ahead with collating questions, if there are any, and then we can see how we can jointly tackle them together. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Okay, I can see one question in the, in the chat room, and it says, is it safe to invest one's emergency funds in low-risk investments? Okay. Um, now, the emergency funds as shared, I, I personally, I don't even advocate that you should just sit in your bank account, okay? Um, because sitting in, sitting in your bank account, inflation is destroying your money as it is. Anything can happen. Hackers can hack into your bank account and wipe all your emergency savings out. So the advice would be to invest it in very liquid investments. And what that means is that investments that you can get into easily and get out of easily. That kind of money is not one that you invest in buying a house. And when you now need to sell the house, you start advertising in all the newspapers and using town criers looking for buyers. It must be something that is very liquid, something that you can buy into easily and sell out of easily if the need for the emergency fund comes up. Okay, so my advice would be very liquid investment. This this would include, you know, money market funds. I I, I don't want to go into too much of the, but very liquid investments and in commercial papers and money market funds. If you speak with your banker, I'm sure they can point you in the right direction of how to key into all these liquid investments. Okay. Now, another question I can see is, um, how safe is real estate investment in Nigeria? Okay, well, um, let me start by saying personally, I'm not a real estate expert. In fact, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of real estate. And there are a couple of reasons why personally, it's just a personal decision for me. Um, with real estate, we know what's going on in Nigeria. There's a lot of problem with you know land, land, the title of the land, 
you have to start looking for CFO, CFC of O. You have to deal with your money. There are a lot of things that, and you know, getting the genuineness of the landowner to buy it from, you know, the stress of building the property. And then even at the end of building, let's imagine you build a four, a four flat, a four bedroom or a three bedroom, four flats. That's four flats in the, in maybe only two plots of land. The cost of building that building from including the land to roofing might be around 30 million naira or more, maybe 30 to 40 or 50 million naira. Now, how much is the rent that you can charge on four? Let's say at most, maybe the building is in Lagos or something and you charge maybe 500,000 naira. At the end of the day, you are getting maybe 2 million returns per year on a building that has cost you close to 40 or 50 million naira. So the returns on real estate are not so glamorous. But if real estate, if real estate is what you know, if you have a lot of experience in real estate, if you have very reliable people or you have good information, real estate can be very, very profitable. If you are patient, there are people that bought land many years ago and today it's gone up more than 10 to 50 times the initial capital. So I'll say it depends on how much you know. Before you invest in anything, I always advise that you get a lot of knowledge. Study it, understand it, speak with people. Don't just do it blindly. So for someone who has expertise in real estate, why not? Real estate can be safe. Real estate is good and you can make your money. But if you don't know what you are doing, please seek professional advice. Okay? There are lots of scammers. There are lots of ways to lose your money or to tie your money down in, on, in, on, in pro, unprofitable assets. Okay. Um, okay. Um, someone stated that money, the money markets and co, that's other liquid investments, as I've said, are great. My challenge is that the profit is only significant when you have lump sums, which most average doctors do not have and can't make from salaries. Well, I would rather you see it as a process the amount you are starting from remember we said that the amount you are starting the amount you are starting with does not matter the person that earns peanuts by selling gala and the person that earns billions by playing football ended up in very different places is what you do no matter how small it is i advise you to start i advise you to start just start. The earlier you start, the better. The best time to have started was 20 years ago, 10 years ago. But we didn't, and we find we found ourselves in this situation. My advice is just start from where you are. If, it, if it's 10,000 naira you can start with, just start. The fact that you've started, gradually you'll be able to build up, and as, as you learn more about these investment vehicles, you'll be able to put in much more money. Okay. Um, another question says, okay, yeah, the, I, I understand the amount of pressure that is on the average doctors. There are lots of people looking up to you. Family is there. Friends are there. But please, recognize that your own financial future matters a lot to you too. And just do the right thing, basically. As much as we want to be, to be benevolent, also try to, um, you know, be cogn take cognizance of your own future. 
Another question here says, what is the percentage of our income that can be saved in reality? And which business do you think is better for a young doctor who has time limitation to monitor? The percentage of your income that you can save is up to you. It's up to how much you can cut down your expenses. Um, how much you can cut down your expenses. <laughs> That's just what I can advise. As much as you can, cut down your expenses. Just start. If you can only start with saving 5% on a monthly basis, just start and go ahead with that. And for someone who doesn't have the time, who doesn't have the time to monitor investments, then speak with your investment brokers. There are asset management companies all over. You can speak with your bank. You can either put the money in treasury bills or in commercial papers. Each of these banks have investment arms, and I'm sure they can direct you to, to investments that you don't need to be actively involved. But it's just that um, you, know, you don't need to be actively involved for them to generate an income. They just start. The most important thing is to start. Whether you're starting it with one, two, five, fifty, hundred, just start. Okay. Um, what are the investment companies you can recommend in the UK which can manage grow one's fund, seeing that our Naira is weak? Okay. Um, now the Naira is weak, and we've seen trends where it keeps getting weaker. The government has been devaluing the Naira. So they are reducing the value of the Naira. Some months ago, the exchange rate to the dollar was 340 something. And then they changed it to 390. Now it's almost, almost 500. So we, we see the Naira getting weaker. For people who earn in Naira, like most of us on this platform, our jobs are in Nigeria and we earn in Naira. Start from the Naira first. At least start saving. Learn, learn the learn the nitty-gritty with the Naira before you start to think of you know, foreign exchange. Once you've built competence, it's the same principles, whether you're investing in Naira, whether you're investing in pounds or dollars, it's the same principles. But my advice would be learn with the Naira. At least you can make mistakes with Naira. It wouldn't be too disastrous if you lose 10,000 Naira as compared to losing maybe 3,000 pounds or 3,000 dollars. So at least learn the ropes with the Naira and then there are investment opportunities that bonds, like federal government bonds now that are not denominated in Naira, that are denominated in foreign currency. So you can use that as a hedge against the Naira. Okay, so there are bonds, dollar bonds, pound bonds. And then if you want to go to stock, the stock exchange, I know many people invest in the US, United States stock exchange, in the UK stock exchange. So those are just avenues that you can invest in other currencies but as i always say start with the naira you can manage your risk better with naira and then later as you grow you can diversify okay. I, I think there are a few hands up that might want to ask a verbal question so i'll just mute and anybody that can Um, thank you very much, um, Dr. Awolowo. It was really a stimulating um, a lecture and I listened rapidly. You know, the issue you've just talked about now is very important to me because some time ago, I tried investing with um, um, ARM um, company. And surprisingly, when I got to see 
the rate, the interest rate, it was so disappointing, very, very disappointing. And unfortunately, during this last few months, when they devalued the Naira, in fact, it was almost worthless um, doing that investment. So I've got myself thinking, I mean, there should be some companies where someone can actually um, convert his money to dollars and pounds. And then these companies, just like what this uh, ARM does, they manage the fund there. And even if it is Spain that enters, but at least I'm sure that I'm not getting a lesser value for whatever I'm doing. That's one. Then the, the aspect of the funds, you are talk, uh, the um, bonds you are talking about, we really don't get, we don't really, I don't, let me speak for myself. I don't really know much about how it works. Yes, you hear the adverts on TV and then you go to your bank and your bank tells you that, like I went to First Bank one time and they told me that it starts from 1,000 pounds. Of course, at that point, I didn't have 1,000 pounds. So I had to leave. So sometimes you get to the bank and then they tell you that these bonds are denominated in 5 million, 10 million naira. And once you cannot afford that amount, obviously you cannot catch in with those programs. So what companies, as in what are the opportunities? Let us know them so that we can cash in on them. Our money keeps going down every day. The earlier we start, the better for all of us. Thank you very much. Sir. Thank you very much. I'll just quickly address that. Um, first, I must say that I actually commend your, your courage in even going ahead and trying ARM, ARM securities. Now, ARM itself, the fact that ARM probably didn't do well enough does not mean there are other people that can do better, even in Naira-denominated assets. There are lots of companies. Um, I'll just give a few options. There's United Capital. And I, they, of course, I don't mean the Ponzi. There's one Ponzi that copied that name, United Capital, you know, the N20% monthly. No, not that one. If you just Google United Capital, it's a company in Lagos, all over the country. You can just send them an email. Now, this, com okay, you, there's United Capital, there's First Bank, FBN Quest, FBN Quest, there's Stambic IBTC Asset Management Company, there are numerous, almost every bank in Nigeria has an asset management company. If you speak to them, they can, just, they can direct you to their, just speak to your bank and tell them that they should direct you to their asset management company. For United Capital, that works more with UBA. Um, FBN Quest works more with, you know, First Bank of Nigeria. Stambic IBTC is the Stambic IBTC asset management now, you mentioned also on bonds. Yes, I agree with you. If you go to the bank directly and tell them you want to buy bonds, they will tell you that the minimum capital is like 5 million or 50 million, sometimes even 100 million naira. Even I myself, maybe in the next 20, 10 years, I don't know if I, if I have that much money. Okay. But so I know that initial capital is a very big problem. So what do these asset management companies do? Now we are back to this asset management company. They pull money from all these individual investors, people like you, people like me, who don't have so much money. We can speak to them and then they can take 5,000 from me, 20,000 from you, 50,000 from ARD president, put all this money together. 
And at the end of the day, they may have this 50 million and then they trade those bonds on our behalf. And whatever profits they make from those bonds, they share it to each and everybody who has contributed money to you know, make up the capital. Okay? Each of all these investment companies that I've talked, they have what we call funds. So you, can, you have like the United Capital Money Market Fund. What that fund does is they trade in treasury bills and they trade in commercial papers. You have the United Capital Bond Fund. They pull money together. So if you buy that fund, you give them money and they use that money to trade bonds on your behalf. So that may be a good starting place. So speak with your bank. Let them direct you to their assets management company. ARM, I agree, ARM used to be a good company. I don't know about now. I know they had some issues at the time, but there are other options. The fact that ARM failed you, don't let that deter you from you know, speaking to others. When you speak to the asset management companies, tell them to show you their, their track record for the past five years. Like the United Capital I mentioned, I think last year, they made maybe 14 or 15%. So if whatever fund you invested with them throughout last year made a profit of 14%, 14 or 15, and they've been doing that year on year, year on year, okay? So seek other options. Bonds are available. We might not be able to buy it as individuals, but we can buy it collectively using a fund. Uh, with this, we have come to the end of this program, which was very successful. Thank you all for being a part of the program. Thank you.